Oh, hey, everyone. We are here. We got a good topic today. Oh, this is really good. It's a topic that sometimes people have a hard time understanding. That's okay. We're going to straighten it out for you today right here on New Hope Radio. Thank you for joining me. I hope you're a member of the Hope Club. Get that devotional every Monday through Friday. Man, you don't want to miss it. Great day to start off the day if you're an early riser and you want to spend a few minutes with God. The Hope Club devotional. That's the way to do it. So we're in a series. I call it Theology. And theology is important because it's the study of God. And the more we know about God, here it comes the more questions we'll have answered. Did you know that? The more you know about God, the more questions you'll have answered. So this topic today, it's basic to the Christian faith. We've got to understand the Trinity. Who is the Trinity? What is the Trinity? The Trinity will shed light on the creation story, the doctrine of salvation and regeneration. We're going to talk about the succession of each member of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, New Testament appearances of the Trinity. Oh yeah, they're all there in this topic today. Like I said, sometimes people have difficulty understanding what the Trinity is. Think of it as a triunity. Three in one. Now, not three that make up one, but three in one. Three personalities, right? But separate and distinct from each other. And yet, they're the same in essence. It's not the example of the egg. Some people give that example. The egg. No, the egg is not like the Trinity. Why? Well, the egg has three parts, the white, the yolk, and the shell. But when they're separate, they're incomplete. But the Holy Spirit, God the Son, and God the Father, when they're separate, they're still complete. They're still God. That's the difference. The shell is not the egg. The shell is the shell. The white is not the whole egg. The white is the white. The yolk is the yolk. But the Spirit is God. The Son is God. And the Father is God. So we'll go nice and slow. And like I said, we've got to have a pretty good understanding of the Trinity in our Christian life. So let's take a look, first of all, at the creation account. Okay, very basic overview I'm going to give you of the creation account. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, God is Elohim, and it speaks of the Godhead. The M at the end of the word makes it plural. So it signifies the Godhead. There's more than one there. God is one, yet he's more than one. It also signifies majesty, supremeness, okay? But yet, though they're one, they are distinguished from each other. For instance, 
The Apostle Paul said in Colossians 1.15 that, speaking of Jesus, he is the image of the hmm, invisible God, that he's the firstborn of all creation, and that means firstborn from the dead. doesn't mean that Jesus was born, like some religions teach, Jesus had a beginning. No, Jesus had no beginning because he's God. God has no beginning. God has no end. Always was. Always will be. That's God. Some people struggle with that. Okay. But then Paul said, By him, speaking of Christ, all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible. Maybe that speaks of the angels. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created by him, and, here it comes, for him. Oh, I like that. For him. Everything is for Christ. I don't know what's happened to Christianity. We've made everything about us. Oh, it's all for us. No, it's for Christ. So Jesus, in his humanity, you know what he did? He came to show us what God the Father is like. That's why he became a man. Yes, he came to die for the sins of the world, but he came to show us what God the Father is like. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So there's two distinct separate members of the Trinity, of the Godhead. Now, continuing in the creation account, the Holy Spirit begins to move in verse 2. The earth was formless and void. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God, it's the Holy Spirit, was moving over the surface of the waters. So you can see, you've got, in the beginning, right, God created the heavens and the earth. We signify the Lord Jesus as the actual one doing the creating. Then the Holy Spirit begins to move over the earth, and we believe the word move means to incubate. I get a feeling the earth was frozen over, and the Holy Spirit began to incubate like a hen over her eggs and begin to move, flutter over the surface of the waters, over the earth. Okay, so now we've got the Spirit and the Son involved here in the creation. Then God speaks of himself in the plural form in Genesis one twenty six. After God created the animals after their kind, then God said, let us, oh, us. He didn't say let me. He said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. So we've got the plurality here. According to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So the Holy Spirit along with God the Son, and God the Father had his part, they had a plan to create man in the image of God. So we are made in the image of God, which means that we are distinguished from all the wild beasts of the earth. We have intelligence. We have morality. We have a conscience. Animals have instinct. They're not much on morality. And I think sometimes they do have a a bit of a conscience, like a dog knows when he's done wrong. Like, what did you do? And they kind of look down, put their tail between their legs. So they, they have a sense of that. 
But no, none of them come close to, to man. Man builds on his intelligence. You know, squirrels have been building little nests in the trees for thousands of years. Ants have been digging little holes in the ground for thousands of years. They haven't improved, but mankind has improved. Mankind creates because he's made in the image of God. Then something happened. In Genesis chapter 3, after the fall of Adam and Eve, in verse 22, the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us. There it is again. Us, the plurality. There's the Godhead. Now, you might say, well, why is he teaching all this? Because there are big churches in the country that don't believe in the Trinity. That's why they believe sometimes God shows up as the Father, then he puts on another appearance as the Son, and then sometimes he shows up as the Spirit. And what we're saying today is, no, the Trinity is three distinct personalities, three distinct individuals, but they're all of one essence. They're all God. So God is saying, hey, he's become like one of us, knowing good and evil. So again, God continues to comment on the fact that there is a Godhead made up of three distinct personalities. So now we move along in human history. We get to Genesis chapter 11, verse 7, concerning the Tower of Babel. And man thought he had a good idea. Let's build a tower that reaches up into heaven. And God looked down and said, bad idea. Don't like it. I don't like that idea. So the Godhead said, come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they will not understand one another's speech. So again, we don't know how it worked, what it looked like, but the Godhead took a look at the tower, disproved of it, disapproved of it and confounded the languages, and all the different languages were created. So, though the scriptures do not point to a trinity, they do point to a plurality of persons. Okay? Very important. There's a plurality of persons in the Godhead. Secondly, let's take a look at their role in salvation and regeneration. First of all, We've got the Father and the Son working together. All right? John 3.16. For God, that's God the Father, so loved the world, that's all the people in the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that's Jesus, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So there's two members of the Trinity working toward our salvation. God the Father sent God the Son to die for the sins of the world. And then the Holy Spirit moves in, and what he does at the moment of faith, he renews the believer. In Titus chapter 3, verse 5, Paul said that God saved us not on the basis of deeds, which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. So notice what happened. God the Father, he loved all people. He sent the Son to atone for the sins of the world. And then when people accept Christ as Savior, the Holy Spirit moves in and regenerates us and makes us alive. So the whole Godhead has a part in our salvation. 
It's through the Holy Spirit that we are made into a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 It's through the Holy Spirit that we receive spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12.11 where it says he's distributing to each one individually just as he wills. It's through the Holy Spirit that we are sealed until the day of redemption. Ephesians 4.30 There's our eternal security, eternal salvation. Why are we eternally saved? Because we are sealed by the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. And what's the day of redemption? The day we arrive in heaven. Boom! Here I am. Wow, look at this place. Yeah. So the Holy Spirit is in us. We're sealed. We're protected. We're mocked out as belonging to God until we get to heaven. Okay, so there's the whole Godhead working together for our salvation. Glory to God. Now, I call this the succession of each member of the Godhead. In other words, the order of their ministry to man in human history. One member of the Godhead is not greater than another because they're co-equal and co-eternal. But they do show up in human history to minister to man at different times. Okay? God the Father sent the Son. John 3.17 Jesus said, God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world should be saved through Him. So God the Father sent the Son. Okay? Then God the Son sent the Holy Spirit. John 16, 7. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. If I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Oh, so what's going on here? The Father sends the Son. Then the Son sends the Spirit. And that's why Jesus was encouraging the disciples, listen, I'm going to be gone, but the Holy Spirit's going to come, and he's going to take my place. And when the Holy Spirit came, that began what we call the church age. This was the first time in history the Holy Spirit indwelt a believer. Wow. Never happened before. That's why it's called mystery doctrine. Old Testament believers didn't have the indwelling of the Spirit. They had the endowment, which he rested upon them, but now we've got the Spirit living inside of us. That's why Paul said, don't grieve the Spirit, don't quench the Spirit, because he's in you. Oh yeah, he's stuck in you. You can't get out. So, the Spirit mocks us out for the church age. Fourthly, we have the New Testament appearances of the Trinity. Now, you might remember the scene at the baptism of Jesus in Matthew 3.16. After being baptized, remember he went into the Jordan River. John the Baptist baptized him. Jesus went up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and coming upon him. So now we've got a representation of the Holy Spirit coming down like a dove, resting upon Jesus. And then verse 17, Behold, a voice out of heaven saying, 
This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Wow, right there at that scene, we have the whole Trinity, separate and distinct, co-equal, co-eternal. We had the Son of God there in bodily form, the Holy Spirit coming down in the form of a dove, and the voice of God the Father commending His Son. Three distinct personalities. You cannot argue with the existence of the Holy Spirit. Okay? You cannot argue with that because there's where they show up in the same place but separately. Then, in Matthew 4, 1, Jesus was led up by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So there we have two more members of the Godhead, Christ and the Spirit, separate and distinct from one another, and yet co-equal and co-eternal. Now, I hope you're not thinking, why do I have to know this? Because this is getting to know God. This is theology. And like I said, the more we know about God, the more our questions will be answered. The more we know God, the more we can love God. And the more we can love God, the more we can trust God. And we need to trust God, don't we? Oh, yes. We find ourselves in circumstances in life, and the only thing we have going for us sometimes is faith. Trust God. That's why we've got to get to know Him. All right? Now, remember the Mount of Transfiguration. Here's another appearance of God the Father and God the Son, but this time the Holy Spirit, well, He didn't show up at this time. In Mark chapter 9, verse 7, Jesus was up on the Mount, remember? The disciples were down below a little bit, and a cloud formed and overshadowed them, and a voice, there it is again, a voice came out of the cloud and reminded them, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. (laughs) They heard the voice of God. I'm like, are you kidding? Wow. Listen to him. I'd be like, okay, I'm listening. I'm all ears. (laughs) That's for sure. All right. So there we've got again, God, the father separate and distinct from God the Son, and yet co-equal, co-eternal. They are all deity. They're all divine. Now, number five, there are distinctions between the members of the Godhead. Okay? And of course, I've already given you some of those, but let's keep going with Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. By the way, this is a good podcast to listen to later. The Hope Club podcast. This is the one you want to study. Hebrews 1, verse 1. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets and many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son. Oh. In the Old Testament, it seems like God the Father spoke. Well, maybe it was God the Spirit. He's the inspirer. It says God. So either one spoke to the prophets in the Old Testament and told them what to communicate to the people. Now in these last days, though, he's spoken us to Jesus, who what? Who he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the world. Is another confirmation. Jesus is the creator. He's the one that put it all together. 
He's the one that said, let there be light. And there was light. He's the one that said, come little fishies, fill the seas. And the fishies came and they filled the seas. You see? So that solves a lot of arguments, doesn't it? Where'd the world come from? Came from Jesus. That's where. So again, Psalm 110 verse 1. The Lord said to my Lord, hmm. So we've got one Lord talking to another Lord. Sit at my right hand until I make thine enemies a footstool for thy feet. The first Lord mentioned is the Lord Jehovah. The second Lord mentioned is the Lord Adonai. Okay, so we've got the Father speaking to the Son. And then in Hebrews 10.15, the Holy Spirit also testifies to us. So there we are again. You know, you can just go through the Scriptures. You see, there they are. Every member of the Godhead has a role, has a function, and yet, oh, they work together so beautifully, so beautifully. Concerning the new covenant, there's a whole new covenant, a new contract, and Jesus Christ fulfilled the contract with his Father by dying on the cross for the sins of man, and the Holy Spirit testifies of that contract. Then in John 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. Okay, so now there's two distinct individuals with God. This Word was God. Oh, so now this Word that was with God is also God. He's deity. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. I think we're getting an idea who this is right? Apart from him, nothing came into being that's come into a being. And then the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. Wow. He became a human. That's Jesus. So Jesus, in eternity past, he was deity. He was divine. No beginning, no end. I love the picture that Daniel paints of the Ancient of Days. He said in chapter 7, verse 9, I kept looking until thrones were set up and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His vesture was like white snow and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was ablaze with flames. Its wheels were a burning fire. And a river of fire was flowing and coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands were attending him. And myriads upon myriads were standing before him. Boy, that's a lot of angels. And the court sat, and the books were opened. And I kept looking in the night vision, he said, and behold, with the clouds of heavens, one like a son of man was coming. And he came up to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. So it looks like the Ancient of Days. And this vision was God the Father. And here comes God the Son. Oh, and to him, the Son of Man, was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all the people and all the nations and men of every language might serve him. 
His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which will not pass away. And his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. Let me tell you, aren't you glad you're part of that kingdom? I sure am. And don't you wish more people were part of that kingdom? You certainly do. That's why the church is so important, to let people know there's a God that loves them. And there's a God that came and took upon himself the form of a man and died for them. And then there's a God that will indwell them and seal them and protect them as belonging to God. Wow, that's the Trinity. The Trinity still works on our behalf. So in closing, let me wrap this up. The Trinity, or the Godhead, is a triunity of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They are co-equal and co-eternal. They've always been. They have shared deity, yet different functions toward man. The Father sends, the Son saves, and the Spirit reveals. See their functions? This is why one must be born again. It is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that reveals divine truth to the believer. See, that's why we need the Spirit, to understand the things that the Word of God is telling us. Apart from the Spirit, the third member of the Trinity, we wouldn't understand these things. That's why when you witness to someone, the only thing they'll understand is the gospel. Don't argue about other biblical topics because they're void of the Spirit. They have to get the Spirit. And they get the Spirit through faith in Christ. Okay? That's how they get it. you got to give them the gospel. And like I said, God the Father loved the world that he sent the Son to die for everybody's sins. That when you believe in him, you'll not perish You'll have everlasting life, and the Spirit will reveal it to you. I'll tell you what, I thank the Godhead for the Godhead. (laughs) I certainly do, because they all have a ministry to us, and we need to know them. You need to know the Father's role in your life and the Son's role in your life and the Spirit's role in your life. That's why we study the Trinity. Have you subscribed to our channel yet? We have a YouTube channel. You can get a notification every time we go live on the radio. Go to newhopecc.tv, click on the media button, New Hope Radio, hit subscribe, boom, you're there. And we'll meet you every day right here for New Hope Radio. Thanks for coming along and I'll see you next time for more.